I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Well, today, if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Uh, we're finishing up Mark there, looking at verses 9 through 20. Uh, we've gone through all of the, the passion narrative in Mark, and last Sunday, of course, was Resurrection Sunday, and so we, we covered the resurrection of Christ and, and Mark, the end of Mark there, and now we're just going to finish out Mark. And today we're looking at life in light of the resurrection, Mark chapter 19, verses 9 through 20. If you don't have a Bible of your own, grab one of, one of the pew Bibles there, and it's page 802 in the pew Bible, page 802 in the pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, then uh, please take that pew Bible with you, and that's our gift to you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take that and use it. It will certainly bless your life. You know, there are certain events in life that are life-changing. There are certain events in life that are indeed life-changing. Marriage, for one, is definitely life-changing, right? When you get married, two people come together. They're starting a new life together. That is life-changing. The birth of a child is life-changing. I remember when Gabby was born. My, my life has not been the same since that day when I looked in the window and saw her in the nursery. My life has, all, has been different ever since. The call to the ministry was a, a big change in life for me. That was a big moment. My life's not been the same since then either. But you know, one event that should change all of our lives, and especially as Christians, that uh, changes all of our lives, is faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we come to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when we come to believe that he died on the cross for our sins, died, was buried, and was raised again, and now lives as our eternal king, that is life transforming. It changes our lives. And today, as we continue in the book of Mark, and as we finish up the book of Mark here, Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20, demonstrates that the resurrection of Christ must be life-changing. It has to be. We cannot continue life as usual when we come to the realization of the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We just can't. And one change is absolutely necessary for followers of Jesus Christ. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, this must happen. This change in life must happen. In light of the resurrection, we cannot be quiet. If we believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and was raised again, we cannot be quiet. Do you hear me? Life in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a life of gospel proclamation. Let me say that again. Life in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a life of gospel proclamation, of sharing the good news 
of Jesus Christ with the lost in the world. I mean, Jesus said that, right? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. If we're following Jesus, we will be fishers of men. We will declare faith in Jesus Christ. Here we see in Mark chapter 16, 9, 9 through 20, we, we see here Mark's uh, rendition of the, the Great Commission. That's really what this, these verses are. We see here the, the Great Commission, God's call to the church, Christ's call to the church to go make disciples of all people groups. And in, in this text, we see three reasons we must proclaim the gospel. Three reasons we must proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to share that with you today. And I pray that we as a church will be proactive in going out and sharing the gospel, accomplishing the Great Commission here in Bastrop, Morehouse Parish, and throughout the world. Now, just by way of review, we remember that Jesus is the resurrected King. He is the resurrected King. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, and he was raised again. Yet, at this point in, the, in Mark's gospel, you know, we got down to, to verse 8 last week. But at this point in the gospel, Jesus hasn't appeared to anyone yet. Uh, the women went into his tomb, and, and they saw the angel there. The angel told them, uh, he's not here. He is risen, just as he said. See, he, see here, here's the grave. Here's where he was laid. Now go and tell. But they haven't seen him yet. But as we continue here, Jesus is going to appear. So uh, that's kind of where we are in this. So oh, I want to just kind of work through this this morning as we look at this. I know we normally read the whole thing, but I think it's better this morning just to kind of work through it. So we're, I want to pray for us, first of all, and then I want us to work through our text this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, we just thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, I just pray that you would write its eternal truth on our hearts this morning. Oh, Lord, give us a passion to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The greatest news in the universe. Lord, let us see the reasons that you reveal to us here in this text. And let that fuel us to go out and share Jesus with others. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you will, look at, look at it with me there. And, and I want to just start by reading this, the first couple of paragraphs. And, and what we see here in, in this, these first two, few paragraphs, these first couple of paragraphs is that the apostles, they're really living as if Jesus has not been raised from the dead. Look what he says there. Now when he rose, now when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he, had, he was alive and had been 
seen by her, they would not believe it. They didn't believe. They didn't believe her. They, 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 they thought she was just crazy. They thought she was overcome by grief. They, they couldn't believe what she was saying. Then in verse 12, after these things, he appeared in another form to two of them, two of the disciples, as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but, but they didn't believe them. They didn't believe them either. Now this, this is covered in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. We have the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And you remember the story there. Jesus joins them and he begins to tell them. They're, they're talking about the things that had taken place. And Jesus kind of comes into their conversation. Uh, have you not heard? They tell him. And then uh, they, they say, well, well, we thought he was the one. We thought he was the Messiah. But he's been crucified and he's dead. And Jesus began then to show them from Scripture how the Christ was to be crucified and resurrected from the dead. And so he begins to share that with them. And then when they get to where they were going, as they sit down for dinner, Jesus breaks the bread and their eyes are open to who he is. And then he is taken up into heaven and they're like, <gasps> Didn't our hearts burn within our chest as he was telling, talking to us about the Scriptures? And they ran back to Jerusalem and told the other disciples, and the other disciples were amazed at what they were saying. But, oh, people don't get raised from the dead. Surely you saw seen a vision. Surely it wasn't so, because that just doesn't happen. And so here are the disciples, and, and all of the disciples, including the 11, because Judas is not there anymore, right? All of the disciples, including his 11 best friends, the one who he, he spent intimate time with, all of them are gathered together. Jesus had told them over and over and over again over the course of about three years that he, he lived and walked with them and taught them. He told them over and over and over again, you know, the day's coming. That the Son of Man is going to be taken up. The day's coming. When the Son of Man is going to get handed over to the, the hands of, of the Gentiles, He's going to be crucified, He's going to be dead, and then He's going to be raised again. The day's coming. The day's coming, guys. Get ready. I'm going to die, but don't worry. I'm going to be raised again. The day's coming. But now the day has come, and they're going like, no way. Jesus is dead. We saw Him. He was dead. He's been buried. There's the grave out there. They were too scared to go out there and find out for themselves. They were too scared to go investigate. They were cowarding, cowarding away in uh, their, their place. Living as if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. Even though there's these witnesses, there's these ladies who've seen Him. Mary Magdalene has seen Him. Uh, the other ladies, the other Gospels tell us that the other ladies who were with Mary Magdalene, they saw him. You have all of these witnesses, and now the two, two guys, the two disciples coming back from Emmaus are telling them, he's, it's true, guys, he's, it's true, Mary Magdalene wasn't lying. She wasn't crazy. We saw him. He's raised from the dead. But they're saying, no, it can't be. It can't be. And so they're cowarding away. They're cowarding away. Instead of going out and proclaiming, He is risen! He is risen! He is risen! 
their cowarding way. It can't be. It can't be. There's a lot of Christians today who are living like it can't be. There's a lot of Christians today who are living as if Jesus is not raised from the dead. There's a lot of Christians today who are still cowarding away in fear. Oh, I can't share my faith. I can't do that. I'm too weak. Too many Christians cowarding away. Cowarding away. Scared to share the good news that He is risen. He is risen. But you see, friends, it's absolutely necessary for us to quit living like Jesus has not been risen. We need to stop that. We need to quit living like like He hasn't been risen from the grave. We need to quit living like He is not alive. We need to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to proclaim the gospel. And as we continue in our text, we see text here, we see reasons why we have to proclaim that He is risen. Notice here, first off, we proclaim the gospel, we proclaim the good news that He is risen because gospel proclamation is universally important. Gospel proclamation is universally important. Look at verse 14, going down through 15. Afterward, Jesus Jesus appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Notice here as Jesus gives them this great commission that the gospel proclamation is universally important. It is universally important. It is a global mission. It is a global mission. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. It is a global mission. It is a global mission. It is for the whole world. It is for every tribe, tongue, and nation. It is a global mission. Furthermore, it is an inclusive mission. It is an inclusive mission. He says, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now, of course, Mark's not talking about every dog and cat and bird and tree. and uh, That's not what he's talking about. He says, go out and to proclaim it to the whole creation, meaning all of mankind. All of mankind. And when he's telling this to a bunch of Jewish guys, they're like, what? What? Lord, isn't this for us? 
Isn't salvation for the Jews? And he said, no, no, it's not for the Jews only. It's for everyone. For God so loved the world. Not just the Jewish nation, guys. For the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It is for the whole world. It's for every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's for every person alive to hear it is universally important. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. It is universally important. The gospel is for every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's for every ethnic group here in Bastrop and around the world. It is for every socioeconomic group here in Bastrop and around the world. It is for every social group here in Bastrop and around the world. It is for whites. It is for blacks. It is for Hispanics. It is for uh, cowboys. It is for bikers. It is for uh, businessmen. It is for doctors and nurses. It is a gospel for every person. And we cannot hold back proclaiming it to every person. We share the gospel with every woman and child that God puts in our paths. If we don't, we are failing in our mission. We want to see all of Bastrop reach, not just the white folks, not just the uppity folks, not just the wealthy, not just the middle class. We want to see every person and Bastrop come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The gospel is universally important. So we engage, and we have to be engaged at every level. Now, our primary mission here at, Bast at First Baptist Bastrop is Bastrop and Morehouse Parish, right? That's where we, we minister. We, God has given us this field, and so we, we go out and we share it. But you know what? Scripture calls us to, to not just be engaged here. This is where our primary engagement is, but we've got to be engaged around the world. That's why we cooperate with the Southern Baptist Convention and we send out international missionaries and North American missionaries and, and we also have, we have people like Christy and, and others who come in and, and we want to love them and, and share some love with them and support them in ways and, and Caitlin and Owen, they're coming in in a couple of weeks and we support them and we want to help them because they're taking the gospel to Wales and, and so we've we, we got to have our hands here, there and everywhere. It is a grand responsibility and we don't need to get just nearsighted and just look here. We need to see the gospel go out broad and far. Remember what he said there, Matthew? The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Oh, let's take it to all the world. 
Let's do our part. Let us support. Let us pray for world missions to see every tribe, tongue, and nation come to worship at the throne of Jesus Christ. Gospel proclamation is universally important. Second, we proclaim the gospel because gospel proclamation is eternally important. Gospel proclamation is eternally important. Look there at verse 16, continuing on. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Notice this is eternally important. A, person, a person's response to the gospel determines where they will spend eternity. Eternity is at stake here. Eternity is at stake. This weekend I was talking to a guy that was, he was a teamer. He was a military man, and so we were talking military. You know, we were both, we both served, and so we were talking military. And we were talking about the camaraderie that comes being in the military. There's just a, a camaraderie, uh, camaraderie that, that military men and women share because you're experiencing like things, right? You're going out, and at times you're even, you know that you're willing at least, and oftentimes you're going out, and you're putting your life on the line together, and there's a camaraderie that is there because so much is at stake when you're going out to battle. But then we, we looked at each other, and we, we, we got to thinking about that. But, but what we share as a church there is even much more at stake. Like, like if I go out into battle and die, that's just this life, this physical life. It's over, but there's all of eternity still left to live. But as Christians, as soldiers for Jesus Christ, it's not just this life at stake, it's eternity at stake. How greater should the camaraderie be among Christians? What we do is eternally important. It is eternally important. What people decide about Jesus Christ determines where they will spend eternity. Notice our text here tells us that faith in the resurrection, faith in Jesus Christ equals salvation, eternal salvation. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him, believes in Jesus, should not perish but have eternal life. Faith in Christ is life, death, and resurrection. Faith in Jesus Christ equals eternal salvation. Now it says there, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And of course we know there are those who try to turn that. Well, you have to be dunked to be saved, right? That They put that together. It's a belief, faith, and baptism, water baptism, but... Uh, does baptism always mean water baptism? No, it doesn't. Mark chapter 1, verse 8 tells us that uh, it's talking about John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist said, I have baptized you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, it's being baptized, immersed in Christ. And when we're immersed in Christ, because that's what baptism means, when we're immersed in Christ, then Christ baptizes us. He immerses us in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us. And so that is absolutely necessary for us to be born again. We must believe in Jesus Christ and be immersed in the Holy Spirit to have that new life in Christ. We must be born again. We must be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we believe in Jesus Christ, He gives us that new life, that immersed life. Water baptism is just an outward expression of an inward reality. It's just proclaiming to the world what we've done, what we've believed in. We have united ourselves with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. The water doesn't save, Jesus saves. If you want to be saved, then you must trust in Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ equals eternal salvation. But also notice this, rejection equals eternal condemnation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe, whoever rejects Christ... Whoever rejects the the truth of the gospel will be condemned. Will be condemned. On that great day of judgment, when they stand before the judgment seat of God, one important question is going to be asked what did you do with my son and all of those who rejected Christ they will be condemned they will suffer the eternal punishment for their own sin and rejection of God We must proclaim the gospel because eternity is at stake. Eternity is at stake. People are not going to go to heaven because they're good people. That's a whole nother discussion, but, but, but you look at people and they're, they're, they're relatively good compared to everyone else. And, and, but listen, they're not going to heaven because they're, they're good folk. Where people spend eternity is determined by how they respond to Jesus Christ. We've got to share the gospel. We've got to share the gospel. We've got to get out there and announce the good news. John 3, 18, whoever believes in him, believes in Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed 
in the name of the only Son of God. Proclaim the gospel because gospel proclamation is eternally important. Romans 10, verses 13 through 15, Paul says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the, Jesus, uh, of G, of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him whom they have never heard? How are they to believe in Him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Oh, let us have beautiful feet. Let us all have beautiful feet. Let us pronounce the good news of Jesus Christ. We proclaim the gospel because gospel proclamation is universally important, is eternally important. Third, we proclaim the gospel because gospel proclamation is divinely empowered. Gospel proclamation is divinely empowered. Continuing on, verses 17, on throughout the end here. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name, and they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and set down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by, uh, by accompanying signs. Now here's a, one of those texts that a lot of people go, what? 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 What's all this drinking poison and picking up serpents and and you have uh you know you have certain sex and we've heard of the snake handlers and all that 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 take this kind of really literal like oh well you got to have if if you got if you have faith and then you take up serpents and you don't worry about getting bitten and they drink poison all kinds of things but that's not what this text it's not what it says really and, and that's not the point of it now all of this really here is is a summary of what we see take place in the book of acts as the apostles go out many wonderful things happen and as they are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout their known world, throughout the Roman Empire. First of all, we need to address the, this idea of these signs, these sign gifts. And he talks about these signs, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name and will cast out demons and speak in tongues and all of this. And then, of course, he, he ends that with, the, the apostles went out. Those who were there, they went out. And while, they were, while the, world, the Lord worked with them, as they went out, the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. A lot of those sign gifts, we've, we've talked about this when we went through that in 1 Corinthians, a lot of these sign gifts, these were uh, apostolic sign gifts. 
Paul talks about apostolic sign gifts, these miraculous gifts that were signs of the apostles as they went out and they proclaimed new revelation from the Lord. You see it in the Old Testament with the prophets who came. The prophets who came, they had signs to demonstrate that they were coming in the authority of the Lord. They were doing things that only the Lord could do and thus they were giving new revelation. You see the same thing happening in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts. As the apostles are going out, they are proclaiming new revelation. Because Christ has come, things have changed, and, and things are a little bit different. And so they needed a new revelation from the Lord. And so they go out with these wonderful signs of speaking in tongues and saying prophecies and all of these kinds of things, these miracles. You remember in the book of Acts, Peter was walking out and they were bringing people out in the street just hoping that his shadow would pass over them because the Lord was working in him in such a way. But these were signs of the apostles. And Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. They were all looking up to these supposed super apostles, these charlatans who were coming through trying to pull people away from the gospel. And they were proclaiming themselves to be super apostles. And he says, what, you want to look at those super apostles? Chapter 12, verse 12, he says, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. In other words, you're following them, those charlatans, because of what they say and how they dress and how they speak and all of these things. But remember, guys, when I was there, and I demonstrated the signs of a true apostle, the Lord's hand was on me, and I did all these wonderful works. Forget those super apostles. And follow my word. So we have those sign gifts, but, but that doesn't stop there, right? Those, th there's a lot of this this power that goes with every Christian as we go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ there is first of all spiritual power that goes out with us when we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and we see that evident here in our text even as he talks about picking up serpents and all of this these kinds of things Luke chapter 10 verses 17 through 20 talks about treading on serpents and scorpions there jesus as he sent out 72 of the disciples to share the good news in the region he calls them back to him they come back to him and the 72 return with joy saying lord even the demons are subject to us in your name and he said to them i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers, uh, power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let me tell you something, friends. When we go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we go out in spiritual power. Let us not downplay that. 
I think that as Baptists, sometimes we, we kind of get care, uh, scared of charismatic uh, folks and, and, and we kind of downplay the spiritual power. We go out with spiritual power. And when we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the, the word goes out in power. And we mow down the demonic. We mow down the enemy. We mow down Satan through spiritual power. Man, this weekend I saw some guys come in and they were burdened. They were burdened. They were burdened. And the gospel went out and those burdens disappeared. They left those burdens at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. We tread over scorpions and serpents this weekend in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, when we go out proclaiming the gospel, we have spiritual power. We need to remember that. We cower in fear because we think that we are weak. And we are weak, but He is strong. And when we open our mouths, it's His power that goes out and conquers the demonic, the evil, the oppressive. We proclaim the gospel because the gospel is divinely empowered. We have spiritual power, but also we have divine protection. We need to understand that. Gospel proclamation comes with divine protection. He talks about picking up serpents and drinking deadly poisons and all of these kinds of things. Why? Because there is a sense of divine protection when we go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 28 talks about this. Acts chapter 28 verses 3 through 5, or it, it, it demonstrates this, I guess. Paul is on his way to Rome. He's imprisoned, and, and he's on his way to Rome to, to have his time before Caesar. And, of course, if you know that story, they get shipwrecked on an island. They come through a storm and end up getting shipwrecked. And they're out gathering wood. They're trying to build a fire because they're cold and wet, and so they're trying to build a fire. So they go out and gather wood, and Paul went out and gathered some wood, and he began to throw some wood on the fire. And it says, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they, they, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped uh, from the sea, justice, that is the God justice in their eyes, justice has not allowed him to live. He, Paul, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. You see, here's the thing. Now, if we get snake bitten, will we swell up and die? We might. We might. We drink deadly poison, are we going to die? Probably, right? But here's the thing. We will survive if God wants us to survive, right? We don't have to fear what's coming. We don't have to fear death because 
God has appointed the day that we die. And if we live for his glory, then we will die for his glory. Whether we live or whether we die, Paul says, we die for Christ. We do it for Christ. And Paul here, he was bitten by a snake. They thought him dead, but it, it wasn't his time. That wasn't how God wanted him to go. God needed him to live for a few more years and, and wanted him to minister for a few more years and go out and plant a few more churches and write a little more of the, the New Testament. And so, so his time wasn't done. And so he lived and he lived and lived until he didn't. Until he was an old man and he was arrested that second time and, and they brought him to Rome and they cut off his head. It wasn't nothing to Paul. Oh man, he was shipwrecked, he was stoned, he was bitten by snakes, he was robbed and beaten and all of these things. <coughs> all of these things. And when it came time to die, he died for the glory of Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear if we trust in the Lord. And we can see some wonderful, miraculous things happen in our lives if we go in the power of the Lord. John Patton was a missionary to the New Hebrides. I don't know if I ever say that right. Uh, but the New Hebrides Islands in the southern Pacific many, many years ago. And I love this story about Patton and his wife. One night, Patton and his wife were, uh, found themselves threatened by hostile natives who surrounded their mission headquarters. The Pattons thought for sure that the natives would burn down the headquarters and kill them both. They prayed throughout the night, asking God to protect them from harm. And the next morning, they were astonished when they realized that the natives have gone, had all gone away. They had no idea why. Not a clue why they all left. They just all left. I mean, they thought for sure they were dead. But the next day, they were gone. And so the Pattons gathered together and they prayed and they thanked the Lord that he had delivered them that night. About a year later, the chief of that tribe that had threatened the Pattons, uh, he actually was converted and became a Christian. And so... Patton asked him, he said, hey, you remember a year ago when, when you guys surrounded our, our hut there, when y'all surrounded us, and uh, we thought for sure that we were dead. Uh, we knew y'all were coming for us, and so we thought for sure that we were dead. Why didn't y'all act? What kept y'all from killing us and burning down our house around us? And he said, well, when we came that night, there were all of these men with swords drawn standing around your, your house in bright white clothing. Men? Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there was a whole bunch of them, and all of them had their swords drawn, and they were ready, and, and, and we had no chance against them, so we backed off. It wasn't the Patton's time. 
And so God protected them. There were no men outside their house. There was angelic protection around that house. And God had opened up the eyes of those natives to see. And he protected the patents. And the gospel continued to increase there on that island. You see, when we go out proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, we are protected by God Almighty. Will we suffer harm? Well, Paul was stoned to death and was raised again. He was beaten, he was imprisoned, he went hungry, he, he suffered cold, he suffered shipwreck. Yeah, there's suffering. Don't, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying there's not suffering involved when we share the good news of Jesus Christ, but we can be assured of this. We will not die until God says it's time for us to die. And if we live for Christ, we will die for Christ, and we will bring Him glory and honor and, and everything in our deaths. So dear friend, don't cower in fear. Don't live in fear. Go out in the power of God and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And guess what? When you do, you'll come back with some miraculous stories about how God used you and worked through you in your life. gospel we proclaim the gospel because god empowers gospel proclamation life and light of the resurrection is a life of gospel proclamation so let us quit living as if christ has not risen let us go out and live as if he has been risen and let us proclaim the good news of jesus christ far and wide, near and far, in Bastrop, Morehouse, Paris, and around the globe, let us proclaim the good news. He is risen. He is risen. Dear Christians, there's a world full of people right here in Bastrop who are on the path of destruction. If they die tomorrow, there's some of your friends and neighbors and dear loved ones who are on the path to destruction. Don't keep your mouth shut any longer. Declare the good news. Jesus is risen. Proclaim the gospel. If you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, let me tell you, dear friend, you are on the path to destruction. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life of obedience for you. And though He was without sin, He went to Calvary's cross and He died there for you in your place. And demonstrating that all of your sin has been paid for in full Three days later, he was raised from the grave. And he offers you the gift of grace, the gift of salvation, if you'll only believe. If you believe in Jesus, there's eternal life. If you reject Jesus, there's only 
eternal condemnation. Which will you choose today? Heavenly Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for the good news that he is risen. And Lord, we just confess. Lord, sometimes we live as if, as if he hasn't. When we should be out proclaiming the good news, we cower away in fear. Or we allow other things in life to to pull us away and, and distract us. Lord, we pray that you would help us as a church to live what we believe. He is risen. Let us see the significance, Lord. It is universally and eternally important. And you empower us to do it. So, Lord, let us be faithful to proclaim the good news far and wide. And let us, Lord, see your hand at work. Lord, let us come back with some amazing stories about how you are changing people's lives. And Lord, if there's any that don't know Jesus, turn their hearts to see Christ today. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.